I forgot to turn my mic on. Hello, hello. Welcome to Fempreneur True Confessions podcast. I should probably do that too, now that you said it. Oh, I was like, <laughs> we're all worried about the guest microphone. I didn't even worry about mine. <laughs> well, hi, everyone. Welcome. We're so glad you're here today. And I'm Laura or Oda, and I um, help women business owners. Um, with the support they need, getting um, behind the scenes, getting that support and getting them back this, uh, the time in their day that they need to run their business while getting all the other extra stuff done behind the scenes. So that is what we do here at ODA. Yeah. And I'm Angela Lake with Lady Powerhouse Solutions. Laura and I do really similar things, not exactly the same, but pretty, pretty close. And, and normally you would think, oh, they're in common. But we uh, both have an abundance mindset and believe that there's more than enough to go around. And we refer to each other. We work with each other, <laughs> not just on the podcast. Um, and, um, you know, we want to we want to model what it looks like when women succeed at supporting each other and and what that looks like and feels like. And you know what? It looks and feels great. It does. It's been wonderful because the idea of that, you know, and I hear all the time, well, do you guys really feel that way? Like, is there anything? Like, yes, really? they do. Yeah. There's always questions because it's it's always like, well, what happens if or this or that? And I'm like, we there has never been a what happens if. No. And we've oh been doing the podcast for a year. We've known each other for three Three. Well, tw since 2021. So it'll be yeah. three. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Crazy. <laughs> but together, we um, are Fempreneur True Confessions podcast. And our mission here is to empower women in business and life to live authentically and support each other instead of competing with each other. So we do model this authenticity through our business, through our personal relationships, um, and we seek to empower other women to do the same, to really be that supportive help um, for other women in business. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, to normalize, right? The challenges, share the lessons we've learned. The common goal is to lift other women up and never to tear them down. Um, and uh, basically, we, we want to build and, and grow the sisterhood that believes in an abundance mindset and sharing those challenges and, and helping each other rise to our highest potential. And we have an awesome, awesome guest with us today. Do it's exciting. Okay. So we said this behind the scenes, but because we've repeated it, let's see. Eugenia Okanova. Okanova. That would work. Um, is a business. Oh, did I get it? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but she is a business strategist and marketing energetics coach with two decades of experience. She is also a clairvoyant transcension mentor, renowned internationally, and a self-made millionaire. Eugenia has been featured in Fox, NBC, CBS, USA Today, Brains, and in over 100 other publications, specializing in empowering female coaches, personal transformation experts, and holistic professionals. Eugenia's unique approach combines masculine linear strategy with feminine nonlinear energetics. Her method helps coaches increase their monthly income by 10 to 100K without added pressure. 
sacrificing personal needs, or burning out. She guides them in attracting high-ticket clients through clear messaging, strategic alignment, and powerful energetics, eliminating the need for client chasing. Eugenia is a best-selling author of three books, Mission Alpha, Awakening the Harmony Within, and The Secret of Sekhmet. Her fourth book, Wealth by Soul Design, How to Leverage Your Unique Badass Inner Magic to Grow Your Spiritual Business into a Multi-Six or Seven-Figure Empire, is forthcoming soon, and we will be discussing that towards the end. So welcome, Eugenia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for this chat. Awesome. You know, before you came on, Eugenia, we were um, we were talking about what's going on planetarily, and um, and I said, I'll, I wonder if she's if she's kind of woo, like if we could talk about that. <laughs> and then Laura's like, Well, yeah, <laughs> um, because we had, you know. You you have a podcast. How often do you do your podcast? Um, it depends on how many guests I have, but sometimes once a week, sometimes every other week. Okay, so we're, we're once a week, no matter what, right? Yeah. And sometimes the guests kind of run together. So forgive us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. Um, and I thought it was really cool. You were like, don't, don't ask me the questions ahead of time. Um, she really wanted to be off a cup. So she's, she hasn't, she hasn't heard these questions. This is going to be fun. Um, one of the things that we, that we talk about is the lessons that we've learned through our entrepreneurial journey and, and sharing those lessons. So hopefully someone will, um, gain some nugget from them. So what helped you learn to master your emotions and, and conquer doubt as a female entrepreneur? That's one of the things that you like to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. And I think this is an important piece for any person, man or a woman, but especially if you're a woman who has many responsibilities in your life, maybe children, and you're trying to run a business to become master of yourself, like self-mastery is kind of a part of entrepreneurship anyway. But as far as emotions, it's such a roller coaster to be an entrepreneur. And it's quite often very confronting because all your shit is right there for you, <laughs> very yeah. visible when you run your own empire and you can't avoid it. You have to deal with it. And the faster you do, the better. But emotions go up and down. And it took me a while to understand that emotional wave is not the same thing as like my action, that those two can be completely separate. So that way my commitment is to the mission, to the business, to whatever needs to happen, and that gets done anyway. But emotions at the same time could go up and down. That means that we must build a different relationship with our business. Instead of a business being like, oh, right now I feel like it, so I do everything and then, you know, next moment I don't feel like it or I procrastinate or I avoid and whatever. And now nothing gets done or maybe marketing gets sabotaged or your branding is suddenly not on brand because you're a mess and so on. These kinds of things are, um, we all experience them to some extent, but as you understand that emotions and actions do not have to go together, that you can literally choose to proactively follow through on whatever you decided and at the same time have your emotional wave, 
then your relationship with your business changes. It becomes something you can rely on, just like in a normal partnership, right? Like if you have um, mm -hmm. somebody you in relationship with, you're not going to expect them to always be perfect. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have difficult days. You're going to have days when you want to communicate, days when you don't. Same thing in a business and understanding that you can have a business structure set up in such a way that it matches your soul design, which is like my thing. This is what I talk about always is that you have to kind of come up with understanding of yourself first, which is your soul design. When you have a business that matches that, now you don't have to always be perfect or high vibe in order to sell your offer or something. You can actually just be yourself and be real. And then depending on your design you might choose to express a lot of what's going on internally or you can choose not to i mean there's different patterns how people kind of choose to do this some people like to um, express a lot of their personal story in as a component of their business some people choose not to and i actually happen to have a lot of clients who are pretty private about their internal world so this is not something that let's say they're going to talk about on instagram but that also doesn't mean you have to be plastic when you're outside like in your marketing right Finding that balance where your emotional waves is something that you can ride because you know what your baseline is. And that baseline is high enough and it's connected to your commitment instead of to how you feel this moment. That's like one of the biggest things that I had to learn because I have very strong emotional ways. I'm a very dramatic person. And I had to understand that like, oh, okay, it, there's certain things that work better when I'm this way, certain things work better that way. But if I just separate that from the action and my commitment remains steady to whatever it is that I choose to do, then I'm more focused on service instead of on my emotional waves. So what helped you learn to master your emotions? What, what, is there any specific, was there a catalyst? Was there a, just any, any part, a uh, part of your story that you could share that might resonate with our listeners? I think it was more like by necessity because I was very poor. I needed to make money. So it was like really bottom, you know, I didn't have enough for food and understanding that if I sabotage my ability to help people, I also sabotage my ability to make money because I make money by helping people. So I had to find the strengths within myself to do so. And I'm clairvoyant and I talk to non-physical beings and I have contact with a lot of sort of non-linear component of life in addition to very practical. So connecting the two sides is what was helping. Um, I meditate every day. I do at least an hour, sometimes up to four hours of being in a nonlinear state. But at the same time, I'm very efficient in a linear state. So connecting the two without... Um, what I used to do before is they were two separate things. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was like over here, I did my mm, spiritual practice and connected to my world sort of outside of material plane. And over here, I did the material stuff. But I started working with clients when I was 14 years old. So by then, emotions were already like pretty strong waves. And I yeah. had to figure out how to deal with it in order to function. And by the time I was in my 20s, it was already dealt with already figured out but mostly i would say that it's self-investigation i do a lot of journaling um being able to consciously observe myself without involvement 
um, helped a lot because we can't always see our own patterns if we are in them. We, we get too involved. But as soon as you step outside of it and then look at yourself more like a map, <laughs> like a layout, like a design, then it's easier because you can see, oh, this pattern. Okay, how did I get this belief? Oh, it's not even mine. Oh, that came from, let's say, my mother, my father, or somebody in school. It's like, okay, we can separate that. So what do I want to believe instead? And when you do a lot of that self-investigating, you understand that your emotions are actually reactions to something. And in truth, they need to be more like in response to life instead of in reaction to life. So I had to understand within me, where am I reacting? Which means there's something there that's attached or something that I want to happen. Um, and anytime there is an attachment, you're going to have a reaction. And where I needed to detach. And as soon as I learned to detach more, which is just by choice, the easier it became to handle emotions. So you talk about linear and nonlinear. Can you define that for, for our listeners, what that means yeah. to you? Yeah, linear, it's pretty much like this life. Everything is step by step. It's a process. It's one, two, three, four. It's linear time. It's how we see reality. Like if you want to do something, you know, like first I need to do this. Then I need to do that. Then I need to do this, this and that. And now we have a strategy or a system or a method. That's a linear stuff. So pretty much business structures, that that's all linear. Very linear, yeah. Yeah. And the nonlinear side, that's uh, intuition, that's emotional perception, that is mm, quantum field, like when you go into the field of abundance, um, some people access that through prayer, some through meditation, some by choice and intention, but either way, it's something where everything is, it already is, it already is always, and then it becomes much more frequency navigated as in what kind of vibration you have within yourself, within your body, within your thoughts and emotions, and that then attracts to you or magnetizes to you specific reality with this nonlinear state. So if you put them the two together, which is what I do for my clients, is you end up with being able to step into your future identity and being able to hold on to a correct frequency that maintains the state that already has certain things that you're envisioning yourself having. You kind of like become her instead of doing step by step to get there. Yeah. And then yeah. at the same time, on a material plane, we look at which strategy is necessary. And of course, tailor that to uniquely each individual because we're all very, very unique, which is like you were saying earlier about thinking about where the world is going and the state of the planet and everything. And we are right into that shift of um, kind of a linear planning masculine way out of that patriarchal stuff into, um, well, age of individuality and uniqueness, which mm -hmm. is where each person is self-navigated. And that's why it's such a open, uh, fertile ground right now for, I think, yeah. a lot of coaches in a transformational niche. Anybody who wants to be a coach in that area, this is your time because the world is going yeah. to need us so much. Very yes. much so. And I, I really like the way you said that you're in you are it is um where how did you put it it is how did she put it, it? already Mark? is it always it already is, is. yes yeah. and that was one of the things that um was a bit of an epiphany for me a couple of years ago when i first got into this ab abundance mindset and manifesting and things like that was the acting as if it already is and being in that 
frequency, uh, being in that mindset, not, oh, it's going to be, but no, it already is. How would you act if it already is? And the way you act is very different. Um, but if you start acting that way, then the universe responds, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a quantum anchor point. Like the way that I teach it is that you always exist in this quantum field of possibilities where everything is 100% possible 100% of the time. Within that, there is specific things that are kind of more probable than others, but pretty much still everything is possible. And all the possibilities have specific energy signature. And when you desire something, you can bring that desire energy within yourself strongly enough that you create a quantum anchor point. In other words, it's like you throw a hook out into the quantum ocean and it attaches to the frequency because you become a frequency match to the thing that you wanted. And now it's like um, folding a piece of paper. Instead of drawing a line from this dot to mm -hmm. that dot, you fold the paper and suddenly two dots are just one thing. Mm -hmm. That's the quantum anchor that then becomes your reality. So from that place, your consciousness can vibrate at the frequency of the future you or the you that already has the thing. Your body is not quite there yet. And that's why it takes a lot of self-discipline to maintain that frequency yeah. in order for the body to be also kind of dragged into the timeline where that future already exists. <laughs> Kicking and screaming sometimes, right? <laughs> sometimes, but you know, that's also where personal work comes in because if we are in resistance to the thing that one part of us wants, you know, like something in you wants it and another one doesn't. Like a lot of times people say like, oh, I want to make seven figures. And then there's this whole resistance about, I don't want to have to work this hard. I, I'm already working so hard. I don't want to. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> That's why you don't have seven figures. So yes. it's not necessarily that the resistance is even attached to a true story. Most of mm -hmm. the time it's just made up it's stuff not, that we need yeah. to clean up. But anytime energetically it's called discrepancy frequency so anytime there is an interference pattern and discrepancy frequency you're going to end up with a mm, bridge but it's not kachinked yet into that one yeah. point yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in order to make that point happen that's where the self-mastery comes in to clean up any interference frequencies and quite often negative benefits as well because those are the ones yeah. that keep us in the negative frequencies that are sabotaging the future that we want Right. Right. Um, so how did you identify that you were self-sabotaging? How for you personally, what did that look like? Because I think if that get, if you don't have what you want instantly, you're self-sabotaging. <laughs> That's pretty much the bottom line, because anything that we want is always. Mm -hmm. And if, let's say, you're intending something and you're noticing how your life is like naturally happening towards that, then you're not sabotaging. But if you want something and it's not there and you're working really hard at it and it's not happening, that's kind of how you know. So um, for me, some of the things were like comparison. I had to let go of comparing myself to other people because I noticed that as soon as I start doing that, I will always lose. Like I end up diminishing myself. And I had to switch that into, well, first of all, why does it have to be that I'm less than? Why can't it be that I'm also as great as? <laughs> you know, so that was already an adjustment. And then eventually I had to realize that the comparison is not beneficial at all unless you're comparing when you know all the parameters. And I did not know all the parameters because I'm a very unusual person. I had very, you know, many different things that I'm sure somebody yeah. else had. So comparing, it's not even like level of business or anything. We're just talking about like personal. 
for example, confidence in speaking. I didn't speak English, so I couldn't speak. And then right. when I was speaking, I was freaking out. And then, you know, I used to speak on stages, so I would go and throw up before and all that stuff. And I had to figure out like, what is it within me that's doing that? It's like, oh, my body believed that I will be killed. I would be judged and, you know, something bad will happen. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think so, but my body did. So I had to actually figure out that, oh, that's an interference pattern. So anytime you're doing something that is making you work harder, it's friction energetically instead of a smooth flow. It's, it's like you're either in a flow state or you're in a friction. So friction state, you know when you're in a friction state. That's a clue that you're sabotaging your creation because something is creating friction. And figuring out what creates friction is usually uh, by finding conflicting intentions or beliefs. So like, what I did want that this look like for you? Um, well, it depends on in which area, like in speaking, for example, it was like, well, I really want to speak because I have a lot to contribute. And at the same time, I don't want to speak because I don't want to be judged or killed. Those are two conflicting beliefs. Or, um, if it was about writing, I was always told that, you know, you're horrible in writing, you should never write. And, you know, I remember my teacher telling me like, please never, ever write. And it's like, th this was something that kind of from long time ago dragged mm -hmm. along. And then I was um, talking to somebody who happened to already publish a couple of books. And he told me, well, you should totally write a book because like you have all this stuff to say. And I said, oh, well, I can't possibly write a book because I'm, you know, I'm bad at writing. And he says, well, first of all, you don't have to write. Somebody else can write for you, but you can just mm -hmm. like start talking. And I like to do things myself. So I wouldn't give it to a ghostwriter. I still would want to write my own stuff. And I wrote all my books myself. But, you know, now it's the fourth book coming out because and, you know, it was a national bestseller, too. So it's kind of like, oh, it's a belief that was in a way. So mm -hmm. I had to look at whose belief it is. It's like, oh, it was belief of my teacher. So then I had to look at why did I agree with it? Yeah. Well, she was the teacher and I was the student. Okay, so supposedly she knew better. But what did she base her belief on? Well, on conformity. My writing was not typical. I wasn't conforming to her rules. That's why she thought I was a bad writer, which actually, you know, we know in marketing, it makes you much better writer. <laughs> if you're not conforming um, to some sort of a standard because that makes you unique. So that's actually part of what I teach my clients now is that you got to find your own uniqueness. Chances are all the things that you're judging or thinking there's wrong with you are actually the things that are right with you and they just need to be showcased correctly and release those negative mm, secondary benefits that we hold on to of trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what it, it really is. The, like the core of just about every single belief was because we were in fear of failure of some long held belief from probably our childhood, like you said, most likely like a teacher or a parent or an older sibling is someone that planted that little seed and then we grabbed it and just believed it. Well, yeah. And most of those beliefs are safety based. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just like basic psychology that the lower self forms by us protecting ourselves when we're little, but it's an immature solution. It's a solution of a two-year-old or a five-year-old or a 10-year-old. So it's a solution that we come up with, like, let's say, um, if somebody is asking you a question and you answer and then they yell at you that you answered wrong, maybe the little child solution would be to don't just answer. say, I don't know, don't answer because yeah. that way you will not be yelled at. 
But then you grow up thinking, well, I don't know anything. I'm just not really intelligent. I don't have any answers. Or how come I can't, you know, speak up for myself? Well, because that past decision of protecting yourself has happened. So usually it's safety based somehow. And mm -hmm. we elevate emotional things to the level of safety, you know, like failure or being humiliated or being yelled at or whatever. We start to see that as safety, even though it's not actually about body safety, it's just psychological safety. So any of those things that um, stop us from being great, because innately, we all are amazing, magnificent, one time cosmic event kind of a thing. We're here to shine our light and bring our gifts through. And if like we just think, okay, we each are like God in training, right? We, we got this divine something in here. Mm -hmm. So why the hell are we not acting as it? Because yeah. of all these layers of conditioning yes. and programming that we ended up carrying on. And um, for me, being different, being clairvoyant, being neurodivergent, being like the one that just sees reality differently and speaks to people that are not physically here. I had to figure out a lot of things of mm, managing my uniqueness as a positive, you know, kind of like leveraging yeah. that, seeing that as like an asset instead of as a liability. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's hard because the mainstream is that it is a liability and not an asset. I think we're coming around. I think we're coming around, like, as you mentioned, people who are in this space, as you are in, in the, the coaching, the energetic coaching and things like that. Now's their time because people are finally starting to get it. Well, yeah. And it's also tribal. I mean, everybody were living in a tribal system tribal as in it's a group. So your benefit is benefit to the tribe. You have to fit into the tribe. You have to be like everybody uh -huh. else. And mm -hmm. tribal system maintains itself. It's self-policing. Everybody's mm -hmm. kind of self-policing. But if you step into a next level of consciousness, you step out of the tribal into leadership, into individuality. As soon as you're there, tribal is irrelevant. It's not like it doesn't matter anymore that you don't fit in. In fact, majority of people who don't fit in in a tribe meant to be the leaders of the tribe. That's why they don't fit in. But if nobody told them that, it might right. look like there's something wrong with you. And that goes back to safety because in the olden days, if you got pushed out of the tribe, well, where would you go, right? You couldn't mm -hmm. go to another town. You, know, you probably would be killed or starved, you know, to right. death. You are alone. So, yeah, we being alone is been... Uh, a big fear-based thing when today is actually almost like a necessary piece, not to always be alone, but to have moments of silence, to be alone when you're um, with yourself and with the universe, that creates expansion. There is a reason why monks and you know people that wanted yes. spiritual access would go away from the tribe because you can't access that divinity from the tribe completely. You kind of have to find your own navigation. But once you do, then you can bring it back into the tribe and be a conscious leader. I was thinking about that the other day about how mm -hmm. our society is so pressured to couple. Mm -hmm. And I I've, I've, was an only child. Um, but I have been married the majority of my adult life up until just recently. And once you get over that hump of, oh my God, I'm alone. And you realize how great it is. <laughs> uh, the advantages outweigh the disadvantages, at least. Well, so you're never really I alone. <laughs> right. But you know, you're always connected to something out there. It just if physically you're not with somebody it doesn't mean you're alone. Right. 
-hmm. and that that that's the the societal pressure to couple to not be alone if you're alone something's wrong with you if you're not married something's wrong with you if you don't have a bunch of friends something's wrong with you you know um yeah but there's actually fantastic power and peace and access that people who are surrounded by other people constantly mm -hmm. um, don't have. It's yeah. a great place. It really is. Um, oh, yeah. When you're in the tribe, you cannot hear yourself mm -hmm. um, because yeah. all you're hearing is the society. It takes mm -hmm. a very strong person to be able to be observer of the events instead of constantly actually being trapped in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so being on a daily practice of some sort of stepping out of the tribal uh, pressure of the social environment is actually very healthy. Yeah. You can do it through journaling or through meditation or through just going for a walk every day by yourself for half an hour, but something that takes you out. And yeah, things like being married or having friends, this is a... Mm, it's a pressure based on if you like us, we can trust you and then you're safe. So if you are not married or if you don't have a lot of friends, then you're not like us, which means you might be dangerous and we don't want that. So that's why we then don't like you. So that's why people feel the pressure to be like what the tribe is expect. But tribe is actually an energetic field. It's a morphogenic field. So every group of people that kind of like congregate together, may that be mm -hmm. religion or nationality or, you know, something that could be school, could be family even. Those are morphogenic fields that have their own agenda, <laughs> their own identity. And mm -hmm. you either fit in or you don't. So mm -hmm. depending on the inner navigation strengths, a lot of times people feel the pressure to be like others in order to have friends. And I would yeah. say get better friends because right. <laughs> those are not the correct friends to have. Yeah. And, My husband you know. laughed when we first got together because he's like, you don't hang out with people very often. You don't have a lot of friends around. Like there's not a whole bunch of social activity. And there was, but there wasn't. And it was, he was very right. And I'm like, I am not somebody who has a whole bunch of people around me. I'm, I'm super, super selective. I've been like that since I was very young. I don't know what it is. And those that have been around have been around for a long time. Or we've gotten past that point of, okay, yes, we're safe. We've got, we're, we're good. But I keep that very small. And even through the years, you know, he's, he's noticed that, yes, I have social people that I'm with. But when it comes to a group of friends, it is a tiny little group. And they all know that, most of the time I like my sanity and by myself and that kind of thing. We don't fuss or argue with each other about time spent or not spent or in between and things like that. Like it's just, you know, we all just are very comfortable with knowing all of that. So it's very interesting because, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I I think I was alone most of my childhood um, because I was an only child. And we moved around a lot, but it also taught me to make friends, how to make friends and socialize and how to assimilate quickly so that you, so I, I would sit back and observe and I would say, oh, that's what gets you accepted because acceptance is safe. Like you were saying. And, yeah. um, so yeah, yeah, that it is really interesting. Um, you and I think the people who also, to link to that, who spend a lot of time alone, they tend to 
have something very unique to deliver. Um, the, there is a strength that builds through that, especially if somebody was alone a lot as a child. And, you know, especially if they learn afterwards the skills to communicate and so on. But if they had that space as a child mm -hmm. to not be just programmed by society all the time, because a lot of behaviors are just automatic. This is what everybody does. So this is what the child does. But if they didn't have that, that creates much more opening for that person to develop who they are more powerfully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so you talk about the art of conversion. How did you learn that? What, what, what happened in your personal career or life that unlocked that conversion in, in business for you? I understood that if I spoke to what the person wanted and connected the dots for them, how, what I saw would be beneficial for them that will convert versus if I spoke to their higher self, like what I know would be beneficial for them that did not convert. So I learned to speak to the person's interest. So a lot of marketing, I think nowadays is done either to the pain point, like this is the problem and, you know, problem, yeah. problem, problem, which I don't agree with necessarily, or it's kind of more like teaching and then people browsing. But for me, what I understood is that if I tuned in before I started to say something and did it from the standpoint of what's within this person's world mattered versus what I know would be good for them, then I could connect the dots much better and it would be much more fulfilling conversation for both of us. Um, so th that's kind of, from my perspective, a lot of the converting <laughs> of somebody who's just interested into like, okay, I want to purchase from you actually happens in that understanding that you need to speak to the world of that person instead of your idea of their world. How do you, how do you get to that place though? Because what often people represent themselves they're selling you their, their, what they believe or where they want to be. How do you get to the truth? It's not actually what you need because assuming you already know the truth, assuming you're a person of integrity who has some insight and intuition and understands that whatever your offer is, is actually going to benefit this person. So we're not speaking of like trying to sell something that's not matching. So let's just kind of bottom line here is assume that, what you are selling actually would benefit this benefit person. They yeah. um, so taking that kind of as a standard from that standpoint, if you speak to why this would benefit them, it will not convert. So if instead you actually listen to why they think they need it and you speak to that, which listening skills is all that's required. That's how, you know, you know their story. They're telling you. <laughs> Every mm -hmm. person is going to tell you their story. They're going to tell you what they think they need, why they think they need it, how it's going to work for them, why they think it's not going to work for them. And if you speak to that, then they understand that it's beneficial for them and they want it. From that place, you can then bring up the more higher concepts as to like where it leads them and what the truth is. But at the beginning, I think this is actually, at least from with my clients, because most of them are some form of psychic or intuitive or something like that, they already know what the truth is. That's like yeah. the easiest part. But then they speak to that and it never converts. 
because chances are the person is not ready to hear it and mm -hmm. a lot of their own negative benefits and conditioning and interference patterns come up and they want to say no 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 that's not it when actually it is so yeah. if instead we speak more to where the person is it's easy to find if you choose to listen instead of yeah. talk a lot but actually just kind of listen actually to the person yeah, yeah deeply listen there's so much to unpack here but um fortunately for us you've got lots of books out there you have another one coming out in march and you have a free webinar tell our listeners about that yeah the book that's coming out is wealth by soul design so you mentioned that at the very beginning this is the book that talks about my methodology of connecting the masculine and the nonlinear feminine and how to put that together for a high ticket business in coaching so this way you're able to sell offers of 5,000 10,000 15,000 and so on so it's literally like how do you become high ticket coach because a lot of times I think this is what mm, people find that like okay I've been selling these you know sessions like $100 sessions $200 sessions and I'm booked and I'm tired and it's just too much <laughs> <I'm> tired <laughs> right like how do I get out of that to the next level or I want to make more money but if I make more money I'll have to work even harder and I already right. have capacity so understanding that line like how do you actually scale your business because hustle is not scalable and right. a lot of times people try to scale their hustle and then they burn out because they, they just think that well that's what it is I guess it doesn't work out or I guess I'm just stuck at this level of income when in reality if you are really good at what you do and you are an expert and you have great results with your clients it's stepping into the high ticket market and then positioning yourself correctly in a marketplace and then speaking from that place to a premium level client. So adjusting your whole marketing and the messaging to speak to a correct person. And this is my specialty. This is literally what I do. And both things, the book and the free uh, webinar that your listeners can um, watch, speak on that. Um, the webinar is soulstrategywebinar.com. So if you go there, it's a free training. You get to see how my methodology works. You get to see examples of my clients awesome. and hopefully get a lot of pieces for yourself as to, oh, maybe that's missing. Oh, well, that's a little adjustment I need to make in my business. And my book, Wealth by Soul Design, coming out in March. And that is a thorough dive into my system to understand it even further. Both of them are um, about how you can use this special unique something about yourself in a proper way not as like what we talked about today not as something that's an um somehow an issue or um uh, something that's holding you back that you're so different but in fact how to turn it around and actually create a sustainable business that is literally leveraging that special something about you so this like is like a different way of coaching <laughs> i like to call it the special sauce yeah yeah secret sauce is uh, a component of that like the way i look at it is there is soul design which is how you're built in this lifetime so you're all of this your gifts your issues your karmic patterns your possibilities your profit potential all of that that's your soul design within that there is your soul expertise this is what people usually call gifts that's the secret sauce so secret sauce is actually one of the components of your soul design and the secret sauce needs to be added to market positioning and other pieces, which I describe all in the book and in the webinar. 
And when that's put together, that's where you get to be at the mm, high ticket market successfully, where you don't require these endless course launches or large email lists, when you don't have to constantly live online posting stupid things on Instagram or pointing on TikTok in order to, you know, get people uh, to come. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. Instead, you actually like attract these amazing people your yes. way because right. you're showing up with the right energy frequency. Yes. I yeah. love that because that's what we want. We is to attract, mm -hmm. right? Not chase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Not the chasing. So mm -hmm. we, yes, we will uh, drop all those links in the show notes for everyone. It'll also go out in the newsletter. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that we're going to start doing is once a month we're uh, we're going to come on here and uh, do a live bulletin where we'll just go through and just talk about all the fantastic offers and um, guests that we've had in the, the past month and um, make sure everybody's on board and, and has all the, the hookups for that stuff. Um, so we will definitely get uh, the links from you, Eugenia and get those included in the show notes. And next week we have, uh, next week we'll be doing that. The week after that, we do have another guest. Um, Laura, do you want to introduce the guest sure. for week after next? Yes. So on February 8th, we have Amy Anderson. Um, she is a widely respected and creative industry leader with more than 25 years of experience at brands such as Calvin Klein, Seventeen, and the New York Times Digital. As co-founder of Wild Coffee Marketing, she focuses on transforming businesses through a diverse set of dis disciplines and tailor-made terms. <laughs> and I put the wrong date in there. That's my fault. It was, it's, oh, just, it's February 7th, 9th, 8th. Yeah. All right. Well, Eugenia, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. We've had a delightful conversation with you and um, I, I'm looking forward to the webinar and um, we will see you guys next week. Same bat channel, same bat time as we say, and be sure that you um, we want to include you in everything. So be sure to follow us and subscribe in all the places. So you're um, up to date on everything that's going on. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. See you next week.